Well, good morning, Rocky Peak. Great to see you again. Um, I'm back live and well from my motorcycle trip. And so uh, several, several of you have just uh, have mentioned that you've been following along. And uh, it was really fun, really fun to take you uh, with me on this journey and uh, give you a little bit more insight into kind of my life and what these motorcycle trips are like. And so uh, so good to, uh, to have you along. And thank you for all your prayers. You know, it's maybe one of the reasons I didn't have any major mishaps this time. Uh, maybe I kind of thought it, should have thought of that a long time ago when I still had two good shoulders, things like that. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, thanks so much. And then uh, secondly, I just want to welcome uh, all of you here, especially those of you who are here for the very first time, um, and whether you're, you're here in a worship service in the, in the auditorium, whether you're outside on the patio, or even joining us uh, online uh, this morning. I, I know that I, I believe that there is one person here, I'm not sure, but I think of this, that we have a, a man here that's uh, been live streaming us from Poland for the last nine months, or the last 10 months. He's in the army and has been stationed there as part of the U.S. force, kind of supporting Ukraine. Uh, so Dan Ratner, Dan, are you here today? Do I, are you here? Could you stand up? There we are, Dan, right over there. <laughs> Good to have you back. And thank you for your service. And uh, I know every week we have some people that are here for the very first time. It's just special welcome to you, and a special welcome to those of you online that are just checking us out, that you're like, never been here on our campus, but you're, you're kind of seeing if God is calling you here to Rocky Peak, and we just, uh, we just hope that one day you will come and join us in person, because it's, there's nothing like being in the house, amen? Yeah, it's just something special, and so, uh, hey, the next thing before we go into the time of teaching, I just want to alert you, hey, we've got elections coming up, Right? And as followers of Jesus, it's so important that we are engaged in our culture and, and kind of uh, voting uh, kind of the, the cause of Christ, you know, what is kind of right, what is good, what is true, to be an influence of salt and light. And I just really want to encourage you, I know I fill, filled out my ballot um, on uh, Friday, and um, I just want to encourage you that you would be taking this tremendous opportunity that we have to have a voice in. You know, we don't normally do this, but I just want to mention in particular one proposition that's actually on the ballot. Maybe you've heard of it, Proposition 1, which is a, a proposition to amend our state constitution. So uh, you probably know this, but abortion uh, is, is legal in the state of California up to the age of viability, 24 uh, weeks or something like that, but but this would put uh, kind of a, a kind of a, a person's right to to abort a child uh, without any limits uh, into our state constitution, and it really could limit to kind of really late term uh, abortions as well. And as followers of Jesus, we always want to be on the side of life and not death. Amen. And so I um, just want to encourage you, this is one of those times where so many times we don't have a voice, that so just some judge somewhere makes a decision or legislature makes a decision. But when it comes to propositions, this is when we really get to vote, you know, and our vote especially counts. Uh, and so I encourage you to, uh, to be just taking this opportunity to stand up for what is right and true and good. Amen. All right, so we're going to, well, I want to be lead us in prayer today also as we go into this time of teaching. Uh, I want to lead us in prayer for these elections, um, some important issues there, and so uh, would you join me in prayer? So Father, we just come as, as, your, uh, as your children, uh, followers of the King, and 
Lord, we know that you have called us to join with you to bring all heaven and earth under your leadership, uh, healed and restored, and, and that until you come back, you've called us to, to be salt and light in our culture, promoting what is right and good and true for the, for the health of the entire culture. And so, Lord, we, we pray for these elections that are coming up, not only uh, not only locally, not only uh, uh, in, our, in our state, but also nationally, some very important elections that will determine very important issues in the future. And so, God, we just pray you'd have mercy on us. Lord, we acknowledge that we're a nation in rebellion against you. We, we understand that the only solution is true repentance. But in the meantime, Lord, we just pray for mercy, that you would... Um, have mercy on, for, for the sake of your people as we live in our Babylon, that you, you would kind of raise up more godly leaders, that you would kind of lead to more righteous decisions so that we could, could live in, um, in a place of uh, blessing. And so, Lord, we, we pray that uh, you would guide us and you would uh, help us understand our role as followers of you in this world and that uh, you would guide us as we go to the polls or fill out our ballots. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Well, our story starts today, um, as coincidentally, it's not intentionally, our story starts today in the fall of 2016, and um, it's, it's election time. And if you remember back to that time, it was a very tumultuous time in our culture. And uh, there was a man named Donald Trump running for office, and all the pollsters said there was no chance that he would win, but uh, against all of that, he turned out he did win, and he became the 45th president of our nation. And of course, this sent shockwaves through our culture, both on the right and on the left, as people were responding to this. And one what, what of the issues that he had spoken about, uh, very kind of outspokenly, very controversial in some ways, is this issue of immigration, if you remember back in that time. And so on this particular day, um, she is driving to her campus. She's a college prof. She's uh, driving to her campus and wondering what she's going to find in the aftermath of this controversial uh, election. And when she gets there, she finds out that, that many of her students are deeply upset and, and really terrified, worried about what this new election means, that some of them were not citizens, some of them have family members who are not citizen, and as a result, they were asking to meet with her, emailing her, and so she's a follower of Jesus. She didn't have a like, real strong stance one way or another on this issue, but her heart just went out to her students who were so terrified that day. And by the end of the day, as she was kind of deeply impacted by their fear and pain, and it happened to be that it were her, her Bible study was meeting that night. And um, so when it came time for the prayer time, she just shared simply what her day had been like and just asking for prayer um, for these students, for their fear, for their families, for wisdom, direction. And the response that came back from the group was anything but what she expected. Well, today, we are continuing our series that we've been in since, you know, 
Jesus was here. Uh, no, it, was, it was last May, right? And so this series is called Christ, uh, Culture, and the Cross. And for those of you who are new, and like I said, you know, every week God's bringing new people online here uh, in, our, in our services. For those of you who are new, this, what this is is an in-depth study of one of the most important letters in the New Testament, I think for our time, that's uh, written by one of the great leaders of the early church. We call him Paul or the Apostle Paul. He's writing to a group of Christ followers that he actually led to Jesus with his team about three years before. They, they live in a major strategic Roman city in the southern tip of modern-day Greece. It was called Corinth. So we call this letter the letter of 1 Corinthians. Now, if you've been with us the last couple weeks, you know that we've, we've just entered into a new section of this letter. It starts at chapter 8. It goes through chapter 10. And the topic on the table is some questions that this church has written to the Apostle Paul about what does it look like to live in a culture that's thoroughly pagan, where the worship of the gods is woven into the fabric of everyday life. And specifically, one of the questions they have is, what, is it okay to eat meat that has been sacrificed to the gods in one of the many temples there? And so as most of the meat in the marketplace had been dedicated, sacrificed to the gods, is it okay for us as followers of Jesus to eat meat that's been sacrificed and dedicated to the gods? Uh, is, is it okay for us to buy that meat in the meat market? Is it okay to eat that meat? What if I go to a friend's house and uh, they're not a follower of Jesus and they, as they, they put the steak in front of us, uh, they say, hey, by the way, uh, this has been sacrificed to an idol and they're, they're waiting for our reaction and what we're going to do. Or even, hey, is it okay for us to continue going to the pagan temples, sort of like the restaurants of the day, uh, for special birthday celebrations or holiday celebrations. I mean, there's all the worship of the gods. We're eating food there, the gods, but we, we don't really believe in those gods, but it's okay for us to go and participate in these ceremonies. And so uh, the last two weeks, what we've seen is that Paul starts this answering the question in chapter 8 by saying, let's talk about meat sacrifice to idols. He says, that as followers of Jesus, uh, it's really okay to eat the meat. There's no problem with that. Meat doesn't bring us closer to God. Food doesn't take us further away. It's okay. But as he said last week, if you were last week, he said, however, there are certain circumstances, there are times in our life when we need to give up the freedom we have in Christ, give up our rights, so to speak, in order to love others well, especially those or maybe newer believers that are not as clear on the freedom we have in Christ. And if we eat, it would actually kind of cause them to, to like participate in the worship of these gods as they ate, and it would, it would derail them spiritually, or it would, it would kind of confuse non-believers. It's okay to believe in Jesus and believe in the gods. And so there's times when we need to be willing to give up our freedom and give up our rights uh, for the sake of love, to build others up. You with me? Okay, so today, as we move into chapter 9, we're going to move into a long chapter that on the surface doesn't seem to really speak to this issue of eating meat, sacrifice to idols, or the other questions they have. But what we're going to see as we, as we look closer, that it actually, Paul is addressing this issue, 
And in this chapter, he's going to address two specific criticisms of him as an apostle, but in the process, as he defends himself, he's gonna use himself as an illustration of what it looks like to give up our freedom, to give up our rights for the sake of love, to build others up, all right? So, but it, uh, it is a long passage, it's a little convoluted, so in order to better understand it, I wanna give you a little bit more of the backstory, these criticisms that Paul is dealing with, so that when we get into the passage, we'll be able to move rapidly through it. All right, so there in your note sheet, you have a section that's called Christ, Culture, and the Cross, the Backstory. So let's talk about these two criticisms. So, so if you've been here in this series, you know that early on in this letter, we, we kind of discovered that there's kind of a rising antipathy, uh, a rising uh, criticism of the apostle Paul. Remember, Paul became an apostle through a direct encounter with Jesus a couple years after Jesus' resurrection. Remember, he, he wasn't one of the original 12. And so because of this, there were many who often questioned whether he was a true apostle of Jesus. One of the signs of an apostle in the ultimate sense in the New Testament is that you, you've seen the resurrected Jesus and you can be a witness. And so there are often many who criticized him. And, and when Paul came to Corinth after he left, there was, there was criticism of him for several reasons. You know, is he really an apostle? I mean, after all, he, look at him. I mean, he's, he's like poorly dressed. He dressed in rags. He, he, has, he works for a living, works with his hands. He's, he's, he's kind of poor. Um, he's not a very gifted speaker. He doesn't use Greek philosophy. Uh, he's always in trouble with the authorities, always in jail. Can this jailbird really be an apostle? Right? Uh, and so we've already seen that. Well, today we're going we're to see another aspect of the criticism. So catch this. As an apostle of Jesus, that Paul has the right, when he's ministering to a church in a city, to be financially supported by that church. But catch this, Paul has given up that right because he believes that in this environment where Christianity is brand new, that he doesn't want to come across like some of the other itinerant teachers or philosophers of the time, that he's just in it for the money. And secondly, uh, one of the options in ancient times was that often you would have wealthy patrons who would support philosophers or gifted speakers. But then there was a, kind of a quid, uh, quid pro quo. There was like, uh, I'm, paying for, I'm supporting you financially, so you need to support me politically. You need to be on my team. And Paul didn't want to be beholding to anyone in a way that would undercut the gospel. So when Paul was in Corinth, he had given up this right. And catch it, this is a huge thing to do. Paul was a very poor man. We know from his other writings, sometimes he was in rags. Sometimes he went without food. Uh, he would work with his hands, hard work as a, a tent maker, a big leather like Bedouin type tents. And, and so he was not a wealthy man. So giving up the right to financial support was a real sacrifice. But what's crazy is that instead of seeing this as something they should admire him for, there were some in the church who actually said, well, the reason he's not willing to take support is he knows he's not a real apostle. He knows his message is not really that valuable. And so you kind of get what you pay for. 
And so it was backfiring. So the first criticism Paul's gonna deal with in this chapter is that he is a real apostle, and as an apostle, he does have a right to give up this, his financial support, but the reason he's done it is to advance the gospel. So his life becomes an example of what it looks like to live a life of sacrifice for the sake of others and for the sake of the gospel. The second criticism was that Paul was not consistent, that he was a hypocrite. So as we'll see today, that Paul would change kind of his lifestyle in secondary issues. Like certain whether he would eat meat sacrificed to idols, whether he would eat kosher or not, whether he would follow certain Jewish law, he would change his lifestyle based on his audience. That as a follower of Jesus, he was free. He was free to eat whatever he wanted. He was free to eat kosher. He was free to eat idol meat. He, he, he was free to eat whatever he wanted. As a follower of Jesus, he could obey the law or not obey the law. It was like he had that right. And so what he would do is he would change his tactic. He would, he would kind of live different ways when he's with different people in order to build bridges instead of erecting walls. But his critics were saying, see, here's a man without integrity. Here's a man who just, he, he just, he, he just wants to please people. So whatever they do, he does. And so in this passage, Paul is going to defend himself against these two critiques but in the process, he's going to say, no, no, no. I have the freedom to eat whatever I want. I'm giving up that freedom in order to serve uh, people better and advance the gospel. Okay, So if you understand kind of those criticism and what's going on here, we'll be able to move through a, a kind of a, a complicated passage pretty quickly and see what Paul is doing, what, what, how they would have heard it when they first uh, read it. So there in your note sheet, you have a section called Christ, Culture, and the Cross freedom, rights, and responsibility. So if you haven't done so, let's turn to chapter 9. We're going to cover a lot today, the first 23 verses. So Paul is going to start with a series of rhetorical questions. And in the Greek, this is not obvious in the English, but in the Greek, there's a way of asking questions in which you expect a negative answer, the answer to be no, and there's a way of, of structuring so that you expect the answer of yes. These are all structured that he expects them to say yes. Right? He, he expects them to agree with these things, for most of them, right? there's gonna be his critics, and then he's gonna build on that. So he starts off, am I not what? What's the next word? Okay, can you underline that word? There are two key words in this long passage. The first is the word free, the second is the word rights. That's what this whole passage is about. Yes, in Christ, we are free from the law. We're free to eat what we want. Yes, we have rights. We, we have the right not to eat or to eat. We can do what we want. But sometimes we have to give up our freedom, give up our rights for the sake of others to build them up. That's the whole point, okay? So this is the first key. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Of course, some are criticizing him. He says, have I not seen Jesus our Lord? One of the marks of an apostle. You've actually seen the resurrected king. And are you not the result of my work in the Lord? I mean, isn't your whole spiritual life the result of what we came and shared the gospel? 
He said, I may not be an apostle to others, so he would always have his critics, but surely I am to you. you. You are the seal of my apostleship. So in ancient times, you would have signet rings that you would put on kind of a wax seal on a letter. You would have uh, stamp seals you'd put on your cargo when you'd ship it to show it, it's legit, it belongs to you, that it's from you. And so Paul says, hey, you're my seal. Your lives and what God has done in your lives, you came to Jesus, the Holy Spirit came in your life, he poured out these spiritual gifts, that all came through my apostleship. You are the seal, kind of showing that I'm the real deal, that I'm actually an apostle. He says, so this is, uh, this is my defense to those who uh, sit in judgment on me, who are criticizing. And so he's gonna, he's gonna start tackling this first issue of why he has not received financial support. He said, don't we have the right to food and drink? In other words, financial support. Don't, don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us? As do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers, kind of key leaders in the early church, like James, who wrote the book of James, and Cephas, that's another name for the apostle Peter. He says, hey, don't we have a right to financial support? In fact, don't we have a right to take a believing wife along with us and, and for us to receive financial support as a team? And he said, or is it only I and Barnabas, one of his co-workers, who lack the right to not work for a living? So he's, he's beginning to address this issue of why he hasn't accepted financial support. And the first thing he wants to do is establish clearly that he has that right. Before he tells them why he hasn't used it, he wants to establish in their minds why he has it. So he's going to use a combination of examples from everyday life and from religious life and then from the teaching of Jesus to support this claim that he has a right to this. So the first three examples are examples from everyday life. He says, for example, in verse 7, who serves as a soldier at his own expense, right? And so like Dan here, it's first day back, right? He's, when he's over in Poland and serving, he doesn't have to come up with his own rations, right? He may choose to buy his own snacks, but you know, the army, is, if you serve in the army, they're, they're, they're going to support you and they're going to provide you what you need. He says, second example, who plants a vineyard and doesn't eat its grapes? Like if you plant a vineyard, some of you have vineyards in your backyard, like you planted them, uh, then you, you can have a right to eat those grapes. Who tends a flock like of uh, sheep or goats and doesn't drink his milk? These are just examples from every day. If this is what you do for a living, you have a right to, to be supported by whatever your career work is. And he says, now, so those are three examples from everyday life. Now he's going to use an example from the Old Testament. He says, well, do I say this merely on human authority? Doesn't the law, talking about the first five books of Moses, say the same thing? And he's going to give an example from the Old Testament law. Now, often in the Old Testament law, there would be specific laws that were given, but they're meant to be kind of a principle. They kind of give a principle. They say like, okay, you can apply to other situations. So this is a law from Deuteronomy 25 and verse 4. It says in verse 9, For it's written the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain. So at harvest time, you brought the grain in. It needs to be, uh, it needs to be worked through to separate the, the wheat from the chaff and so on. And, and so the law said, hey, when an oxen is doing this work for you, don't muzzle them. Let them, let them work. And Paul says that's, there's a principle there about how we should approach life. He says, is it about oxen that God is concerned? I mean, surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Well, he says, yes, this was written for us because 
like uh, whoever plows or threshes, like a farmer, should be able to do so in the hope of sharing the harvest. And so he says, so if we have sown spiritual seed among you, Paul and his team, they're like spiritual, uh, like spiritual farmers sowing the word of God. Is it too much that we reap a material harvest from you? And if others have this right of support from you, so they've done this for other apostles and so on, shouldn't we have it all the more since we're the ones who led you to Christ? And he says, but, catch this, here we go, but, so he's kind of established this right, he says, but we did not what? We did not use this right. We had this right, but we didn't use this right. That's a big thing to give up, financial support, when you're actually, when you're poor. But he says, but we, we, we didn't use this right. Why? On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. He would make whatever sacrifice he needed to advance the gospel. And he's like, oh, let me, think, let me give you a couple more examples of why we would deserve support. Some of you aren't convinced yet. So he says, verse 13, don't you know that those who serve in the temple, now this is true both in the Jewish temple and the pagan temples in Corinth. He said, don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple, like the priests and the temple workers, that those who serve at the altar share in what's offered at the altar. So when sacrifices would be altered, uh, what offered, some of that, that sacrifice would go to the priests. He said, and in the same way, now he goes to the ultimate authority, which is Jesus himself. In the same way, the Lord, talking about the Lord Jesus, he's commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. And so Jesus taught this, for example, in Luke 10, Matthew 10, the verses are on your note sheet, right? So, so Paul, is, he's, he's establishing this principle that as an apostle of Jesus working for the kingdom, that he has this right for financial support. But he says, but, I, but I've given up that right. And uh, not because we don't deserve it, but because to further advance the gospel. And he says in verse 15, but I've not used any of these rights. And then just for clarity, he says, just to be clear, I'm not writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me. Uh, the, that's not my motive, to change our arrangement <laughs> and to have you start financially supporting me. That's not why I'm writing. He said, I would rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast. For when I preach the gospel, I can't boast or brag about it. I'm compelled to preach. I mean, Jesus has, has called me and the Holy Spirit compels me. He says, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. I mean, I've been entrusted with this assignment and, and I need to answer to Jesus. But he says, but if I preach voluntarily, I do have a reward because he didn't require that of me. He said, if not voluntarily, I, I'm simply discharging a trust committed to me. Well, what's my reward? Just this, and I'm preaching the gospel that I can offer it free of charge. And so not make use of my rights as a preacher, right? So this is the first criticism. Is he really apostle? Doesn't seem like it. Hey, you get what you pay for. He doesn't charge. Uh, this might, you know, it's just, there's another sign that he's not, doesn't really see himself as an apostle. And so he's, he's answered that criticism. No, I do have a right, but in the process, he's used himself as this is what it looks like to lay down your life for others for the sake of the kingdom. Now he's going to move on to the second issue, this issue of lifestyle, you know, and how he changes his approach to eating, to some of the ways he would live based on who he was with. So he says, though I am what? Free. 
So there we are, the key issue again, this freedom issue. And I belong to no one. Like as a follower of Jesus, I, I'm free in these areas, these kind of secondary areas, these, these issues of food and drink and so on. And I, he says, but, but though I'm free and belong to no one, I have made myself what? A slave to whom? Everyone. To everyone. Wow. To win as many as possible. He says, to the Jews, so I'm with like conservative Jews. He said, I, I, be, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. So when I'm with the Jews, um, yeah, I eat kosher. I, I don't start off by saying, hey, pass, I, I got a ham sandwich here, do you mind? <laughs> He's like, there, there's time for that later. But right now, I want to build bridges. So I, I'm going to, I'll eat what they, I'll eat kosher. I'll, I'll follow whatever, you know, whatever the laws are following at the moment um, because I, I want to build bridges. And there's time for them to learn about these other things later on. But right now, they need to hear about Jesus as Messiah. And if they're going to be open to me sharing the message of Jesus as Messiah, I can't be, be raising issues of kind of secondary things. I just put up a wall. So he said, to the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews, and to those under the law. So this would include Gentiles who were what we call God-fearers, who had not fully converted to Judaism, but would attend services at synagogue and so on. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. He says, though I myself, I'm not under the law. I don't have to follow the law. He said, but I do it so as to win those who are under the law. And to those not having the law, that'd be like Gentiles, I became like one not having the law. So if I go to their house uh, and they serve idol meat, I, I eat it. You know, if they, they're, they're serving up BLTs, I take two. You know, it's, um, he says, but he says, but just to be clear, I'm not free from God's law. I'm not saying I can live however I want. I'm still under Christ's law, this law of love and this, that leads to this core moral code of the New Testament and so on. But he do that so, so as to win those not having the law. And to the weak, and so last week we learned that the weak, in Paul's language, are those who are followers of Jesus, but they're not yet clear on the freedom they have in Christ. So they're, they're much more conservative, or you call it legalistic today. And he says, to those who are weak, I've become, uh, I became weak to win the weak, and I've become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. And I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. So, so are you with me? That the topic on the table is, should we eat this idol meat or not? How should we? And Paul has told us last week, it's fine to eat the meat. There's nothing wrong, but there are times when you have to give up your freedom, give up your rights, for the sake of others who are not as mature or the sake of non-believers who will un misunderstand. And now today, he's both defending himself against two criticisms. You're not a real apostle. You're not accepting financial support. You're hypocritical. He's defending himself, but in the process, what he's actually doing is turning it to say, hey, this is why I do what I do, and, and I want you to follow my example as you follow Christ. Does that make sense? Okay, so we've laid all the groundwork. Now it's time to put the cookies on the bottom shelf, all right? <laughs> now it's time for us to say, all right, so, so what does this look like for us today? And can I say, 
what I'm about to say, the question I'm about to ask, is going to be challenging to some of us. And so all I'm asking is in this next uh, two hours, that's good. <laughs> what I'm asking in the rest of our time together that you would really put some emotion in check and that you would come under the authority of the word. And if there's anything that I'm not saying that's clearly taught by the word, you, you can reject it. But if it is, that you'd really be open. Because for some of the things I'm going to say today may be challenging to some of us. Some of them are challenging to me in my own life, but they may be challenging for you. All right, so, so there in your note sheet, we have a, question, we have a section called uh, Christ, Culture, and the Cross. One simple question. So let me ask you the question and I'll begin to unpack it. And so here's the question. What's more important, like in your life, what's more important, your rights or your responsibilities? What's, as, as a follower of Jesus today, what's more, your rights or your responsibilities? So we live in a culture today, remember this whole series, Christ, Culture, and the Cross, it's about, are we going to listen to the vision, the values, the voice of Christ, or the vision, values, and voices of our culture, right? The the Church of Corinth was following culture instead of Christ and was leading to a mess. So that's the the whole big picture question of this whole series. And so we live today in a culture that's obsessed about our rights, Are you with me on this? Everyone is fighting for their rights all the time, but you hear very little about responsibilities. And can I tell you, that attitude can creep into the church. It can creep into our life. And so so what Paul is saying today is, hey, there is a right, there is a wrong, but at times you need to be willing to give up your rights for the sake of your responsibility, which is to love others and build them up and advance the gospel. So there's time we have to give up our rights, give up our freedom in order to advance our responsibility, our top priority, to love others well. Are you with me? So the question is, so like in your life, what I want you to be thinking through today is, is what's more important to you, your rights in Christ, or your responsibilities in Christ. So what we've seen in this, uh, the last couple weeks is that Paul is dealing with this specific issue. The issue is, is it okay for us to eat meat sacrificed to idols? If I go to my friend's house, is it okay if they serve it and say, is that okay? And I want to remind you that Paul has taken, this is what we would call a secondary issue, right? In other words, uh, primary issues are issues that that deal with, like we talked about last week, primary issues are issues that really are core to our salvation, core to our walk with you, that we cannot leave those behind, right? We cannot compromise ever on those. Secondary issues are issues that are very important. And sometimes there's even a clear right and wrong, but they're secondary. They, They don't go to the heart of our salvation, whether we're a believer or things like that. And so... So Paul has clearly helped us understand that this eating meat sacrificed to idols, there there is a right and wrong. Now in some secondary issues, it's not so clear. But in this one, there is. 
And this, in fact, this is what he said last week. He said, but food does not bring us uh, near to God. We're no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. So there's a clear right and wrong here. He says that as followers of Jesus, yes, you have the freedom to eat whatever you want. You can go to the market. You don't have to ask, is it idle meat? Just buy it, throw it on the grill, barbecue, have a great time, right? But he said, but there's times when you need to give up that freedom, give up that right. When it will kind of derail a younger believer and encourage them to go back into a lifestyle of idolatry, or when it will confuse non-believers, cause them to think it's okay to worship Jesus and Zeus and Poseidon and Aphrodite, he's just another god. And so what we've learned this last couple of weeks is, catch you, is the mark of true spiritual maturity as we grow up in Christ, want to become like Jesus, the mark of true spiritual maturity Uh, maturity is not just being right on every issue. That the mark of true spiritual maturity is being willing to give up our rights when required, not all the time, but when required to help others grow. And so here's my question for you then again, is that when it comes to secondary issues, like remember they're important issues, not unimportant, When they come to secondary issues, what's more important, um, exercising your rights and expressing your opinions or embracing your responsibility to love those you're with and build them up? Are you with me? So so when you're in a setting and one of these hot button secondary issues, these are hot button issues for them. Like, this is not a hot-button issue, but we have our own hot-button issues, don't we? We'll talk more about it. So when you're in a setting and a hot-button issue comes up, the question is, is, is your first thought, I need to speak my mind because I'm right on this, and I need to convince everyone I'm right, that, that, that this is right, I have a freedom, I need to speak on this issue, or is your first thought, who am I talking to, who is here, and how can I further advance the cause, the, the cause of the gospel in this setting? So it's going to be a different in different settings, isn't it? Like you may be in one setting where you're all believers and you know how everyone thinks and you can express your opinion, there's no problem. There's other setting where you know, like, this is going to be very controversial and there's some younger believers here, I may derail over a secondary issue. Are you with me? So let me give you an example. So we started the day with this story, a true story, about this woman who is a college professor who is driving to her campus, it was the day of or the day after, I can't remember, where President Trump was elected. And of course, the whole nation was in shock and there was strong reactions from both the right and the left. But one of the issues that he had made a key point of his campaign was immigration. He makes some very strong statements about it, very controversial. And so she, she got to her classrooms that day as she got to her office. 
there were many students who were either undocumented, they were not citizens, or they had family members who were, who were really shaken and afraid of this. And she wasn't really taking a position on this. Her heart was just going out to these human beings who are terrified. And so they were, they were meeting with her, crying in her office, uh, sending her emails, tremendously distraught. And by the end of the day, she is, she is just kind of at the end. She, she's just like compassioned out. You know, she's just like her heart's breaking for these students that she loves. She knows and she loves. You know, regardless of what's right, what's wrong, where you stand, like her heart's just breaking. And so she goes to her small group, her Bible study, and when it comes time for prayer, she shares this prayer request. Again, not taking a position on immigration, just her heart's breaking over these students and their families who are living now in fear. Now, I want you right now to put yourself in that situation, okay? Let's say it was one of our life groups and that, and that, that, that situation happened in our life group. The question is, I'm guessing that many of us here have strong opinions about immigration. I'm guessing that we would have in this room differences of opinion on immigration. But would you agree with me, because my point today, I want to be super clear, I'm not taking a stand on immigration. That's not what this is about. This is about how do we respond when important highly charged, hot-button, secondary issues come up, okay? I'm just using this as an example. So let's, let's say that you're in that room, you're in that small group. What is your response going to be? What is more important to you at that moment, being right on this issue, and expressing your strong opinions, or on reading the room and saying, what do I need to do to build up the body of Christ in this discussion? Are you with me? What's more important to you? Your freedom to speak your mind as an American? Or is it your responsibility as a member of the body of Christ to love others and build them up. Remember what Paul said at the start of this section, that knowledge puffs up, love builds up. Are you with me? So what happened? Well, she shares her heart. There's several members of the group began to attack her. And they began to say things like, well, it's about time. If they didn't want to feel that way, they shouldn't have come here. Well, they're breaking the law anyway. They're getting what they deserve. Harsh comments. Dividing the group. Making this woman feel under attack. Now, let's just use this as an example of other Hot button issues. I want to keep you, keep you, your mindset is you're in that group. What if the issue wasn't immigration? What if the issue that came up in your group, and by the way, we encourage our life groups 
not to really jump into these hot button things because they're so contrary. Like have that discussion during dessert afterwards, right? <laughs> but sometimes, it was, let's say you're there and the issue, let's go back two years and the issue wasn't immigration, the issue was COVID and how the government of California was responding to it. Or how Dr. Fauci was responding to it, right? And, and you have strong opinions. You, you feel like, yes, Governor Newsom's doing the right thing and lockdowns are the right thing and we're protecting people's lives, or you're on the other side, why can't we all live in Florida? <laughs> Maybe the issue isn't lockdowns in, but the issue is when vaccines came out. This is a great gift, we should take it. Hey, this has uh, got the DNA of 666 in it. <laughs> That's how they're gonna track us. What if the issue is mandated vaccines? If you don't get this vaccine, you work for the city of LA, you're gonna lose your job. And you think that's a great idea because city employees should be protecting the population or you're on the other side saying, this is completely wrong, an infringement of every right that we have as Americans, complete government overreach. What if the issue is racial issues? Remember when George Floyd thing happened and Black Lives Matter movement was starting and it raises this issue of critical race theory. What if you're on the side of, hey, well, I don't agree with everything Black Lives Matter, but there are racial issues that need to be addressed. We should be looking at those. Or maybe you're on the other side. This is a horrible organization. This is all a, a communist movement to take over our country via race. What if, what if uh, some of the legislation going through Congress and big spending uh, things, and you see it as an encroachment of socialism, and this is anti-American, you're a strong free market person, or over here you say finally we're taking care of real needs and we're taking care of the climate and this global this global issue, but over here, now you feel like this whole global warming thing is a myth. Are you with me on this? So you're in a life group and one of these topics comes up. Here's my question. Is your first instinct, is your approach, I need to speak for what is right and I need to speak loudly because this is right or is your first response what is my responsibility as a follower of Jesus to build up the body of Christ? And then choosing your comments based on those in the group. Remember what Paul said last week? He said, don't through your eating destroy a brother in Christ. He said, yeah, you have the freedom to eat whatever you write, but, but don't destroy. And I want you to picture 
Picture a, a newer believer who has come to Jesus here at Rocky Peak, and maybe they, they've come from a very liberal, very progressive background, but Jesus has met them, and they're, they're new in their faith. And they, they join a, a, a life group, and they express an opinion on a racial matter. They express an opinion on COVID. They express an opinion on what churches should do during COVID. They express an opinion on economics, on the forgiveness of student loans that you think is really wrong and damaging and even coming from a wrong worldview. Is your first thought, hey, I need to build a bridge with this younger believer and overlook this for the sake of the kingdom and the sake of their growth, or is your first response, I need to straighten this person on, and you come in with both barrels, and after that life group, that younger believer says, I am never going back to that life group again. It is not a safe place, and they drop out of Rocky Peak and maybe never go back to church again. This only confirms what I've always believed about Christians. They're harsh and judgmental. And now for the sake of our argument over global warning, we have just destroyed a brother for whom Christ died. Are you with me? Now this is not easy. This is not easy because if you haven't noticed this, we all want to be right. Like you know this if you're married. (laughs) And we want to be right so badly that we will throw everything but the kitchen sink. We will exaggerate, we'll make up things. We will, we will throw up a smoke screen, we'll bring up issues that aren't even about the issue because we wanna be right. And not only this, but have you noticed we not only wanna be right, we wanna make sure everyone else knows when they're wrong. <laughs> this is our fallen human nature. Like our flesh wants to be right and wants to tell everyone else they're wrong. But Paul says the mark of a spiritual person is they're able to step back and say, is this a primary or a secondary? And if it's secondary, then my first responsibility is to build them up and build bridges rather than creating walls that will tear tear them down. Does this make sense? So look what Paul says. This is how Paul puts it. There in your note sheet, in 1 Corinthians 9, he said, though I'm free, I have all rights in Christ, and I belong to no one, I have made myself what? A slave to everyone, so I can win as many as possible. Look at the next one. This is how he started this journey. He said, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And I want you to look at one more passage that's not on your note sheet that's so good. It's in Romans chapter 15. So let's turn there. In Romans 14 and 15, Paul is dealing with a very similar issue. You know, in the early church, these were very controversial hot button topics. What do we eat? You know, do we continue to eat kosher? Or not? Do you, have to follow, do you have to follow the Sabbath laws? Do you have to, to worship on Sabbath and follow the Sabbath laws? How about all the holidays? And in Romans uh, 
14 and 15, Paul says, no, there's actually a right and wrong on this issue that, that we're free as Christians to eat what we want and worship what we want. He says, but, but what's more important than being right is how we approach one another on these issues. And um, in chapter 15 and verse one, he says, we who are strong, and remember that means uh, spiritually mature, who can see the right answer, to realize the freedom we have in Christ. He says, we who are strong ought to bear with the what? The failings of the weak. Notice he calls them failings. Like, yes, they're wrong on some of these important issues. He says, but the mark of the, the strong, the mature, is not that we tear into them, that, that we bear with. And he says, and not to please ourselves. And that's really what we're doing when we're just expressing our opinions without any concern for what that opinion is going to result in. That we're just pleasing ourselves. And we're not really following Jesus who laid down his life to please us. He says, each one of us should please our neighbor for their good and to, here's the key words again, to build them up. Even Christ didn't please himself. And if you skip down to verse seven, he kind of wraps it up. He says, Accept one another then as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Aren't you glad that when you came to Jesus, he didn't give you a, a list and said, like you, I, I know you've asked me into your life, but um, before you come in, I need to give you a little test. So I would like to see how you feel about covid I would like to see how you feel about Black Lives Matter. I would like to see how you feel about capitalism and socialism. I'd like you to see how you feel about, um, about churches staying open or not during COVID. And, um, and then if you pass this in, if you get 80% right, you can come into my kingdom. Aren't you glad? Like, if you've been a Christian any length of time, I hope that some of your, your opinions have changed. We came to Jesus. There was so much we didn't understand. All we knew is we needed him. And the longer we follow Jesus, the more we read the word, the more our worldview begins to change. But isn't it beautiful that Jesus doesn't ask us to get a correct worldview before we come into his kingdom? And he says, so, so in the body of Christ, he said, those of you who are strong and mature, the way you should approach this is not tear into the weak. The way you should approach it is say, you bear with that weakness. You hold your tongue. You build bridges so that you can remain united and grow and so they can be in a church community where over time, as the word, as the Holy Spirit, they'll be able to see more clearly. But if you tear into them now, you'll just drive them away and they'll never be able to grow. And so the question I think for all of us, and this is not easy. I, I'm a man of strong opinions and I have strong opinions about economics and COVID and race relations. But the Lord is always reminding me is keep the first things first. There's a time and place to talk about these things, but consider who you're talking to and will this build them up or tear them 
down. Amen? Let's pray together. So Lord, we come today just talking about some really controversial issues, and often, Lord, I know that in our hearts, they feel primary. They feel like they're so important, and yet, Lord, there's, there's something bigger, as you've said, in all of this, and that's the way we love one another. In fact, you said that by this, the whole world will know that we're your disciples, by the way we love one another, not that we agree on every point. And so, Lord, I pray you'd shepherd us, that we would understand this and rise to a new level, that as a body, we just build tremendous unity, tremendous love, that in our life groups, we'd be sensitive to one another. We'd create an environment where it's safe to discuss even controversial things when they come up, that we would not go on the attack, but we would always be saying, what does it look like to build up the body and to advance the gospel in this conversation, whether it's in our life group or whether it's with our relatives at Thanksgiving or or whether it's uh, at our coworkers at work, that in every situation we find ourselves, we'd be asking the question, how do we advance the gospel and build bridges in this, in this conversation? Father, we pray as we sing this song and talk about building our life on your love, we pray that that will be the hallmark of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.